If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to episode 55 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week, we talk to Jess Martin and Natalie Hewitt from Highgate Primary Academy in South Yorkshire. As part of our chat, we discuss the school's recent Ofsted inspection and what the experience was like from the perspective of the EYFS team. Right, so I'm joined by Jess Martin and Natalie Hewitt, who are early years teachers at Highgate Primary Academy in Sheffield. Um, hello to you both. How are you? We're good. Good morning, Andy. Morning. Morning, morning, good morning. Uh, lovely to see you both. Um, can we start off with um, a kind of a bit of an overview, really? Can you just, just tell us a little bit about, about your school, about where you're at, what's Highgate like? Tell us a little bit about it. So we're based in, like you said, we're Sheffield, we're in the Barnsley catchment area. Um, we've, we've both been working there for quite a few years, over 10 years, the pair of us now. Um, we've got a fairly large school, um, not large in comparison to others, but for the catchment area that we're in. We've got, how many have we got on roll? 343 pupils. And we're a one and a half farm entry school. Um, our EYFS um, consists of a 52-place nursery um, and also a 45-place reception class. We do split our reception class into two, um, which each contain half of the children in, in each class. Uh, Miss Martin is responsible for one half. I am the other half, even though we do spread the teaching across all children. We're, we are responsible for all children, but we have what's called carpet groups um, for register and things like that. Yeah, and then we, we, we've, we've got fluid groups then for teaching and focused activity times. Um, we're really lucky in our school as well. We've got a nursery and we offer morning and afternoon places to 52 children. Um, and we found that that's a really provides a really good starting points for some of our for our pupils with us being in quite a deprived area um some of our children are quite disadvantaged and the fact that we're taking them from such a young age has a really good positive impact on their learning yes absolutely absolutely and and let's focus in on your roles um Jess do you want to start off tell us a bit about what you do you're yeah, so, leader, you? Tell us about your role. Yeah, I'm a leader. Um, I've took up the position since uh, September I actually began. I got um, appointed in the summer term. Um, I'd worked as an FS2 teacher there for about five years. I've also taught in year two at the same school. And in year one, I took an, another local primary school. Um, so I've got quite a bit of a, a wraparound knowledge of the end points, the starting points of, of EYS children and also where the children need to be by the end of the key stage. Um, works very closely with Natalie for quite a few years. Um, well, for most of my career, to be honest. <laughs> um, and Natalie, do you want to tell me about your... Your yeah, career as well. Um, I started 12 years ago. I did a year in nursery and then since I worked in FS2. So I feel as though that's give, given me a really good sound knowledge of, of the children, where, where the start, where the end. Obviously, each cohort's different. Um, but I do believe that, that, you know, the experience that the 12 years has brought in, in, the, in the same school has been so, so valuable for our, for our mm. catchment and for our children. 
Yes, fantastic, fantastic. So you you've both got a, a quite a even sort of within sort of five or ten years, you've both yeah. got quite a wide variety of experiences within that, haven't you? Of, yeah. of working with different year groups, working around the EYFS and within the EYFS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic, really useful experience. Um, in terms of obviously, you both are, have slightly different roles, both as early as teachers, but then Jess, you're the earliest leader. Can you give yes. us an idea of? the kind of I suppose the journey that you're on really you know your main challenges the focus for your development and and I know you've been through quite a change actually haven't you I, I know through talking to um Nikki Turner yeah I know from talking to Nikki that actually that you've been on really quite a journey we have and in, in, in quite a, a short space of time as well Andy we um together myself and Natalie and, and the team that we had at the time and with Nikki, we put together an action plan and we, we broke it down into phases of where we wanted our early years team to go and the, the Highgate experience. But we we kind of got the, the ball into motion quite quickly, to be honest. Um, and obviously we've got Ofsted we knew we'd got Ofsted in the background that was always um, in the forefront of our mind, to be honest, and what we wanted to get things right for the children straight away. We've, We've done a complete shift around within the building as well. So we've actually relocated our nursery to a different part of the building um, to provide a more small, nurturing, communication-friendly space for for that group of children. Um, And with that, it's given us, well, it's opened up the doors to create a longer unit for our FS2 children. So they've got uh, more areas and more pockets of places to explore. It also feels like more of a unit for our reception children. Yeah. We feel like even though we've 45 children, we are one class. Yeah. Even though we have two, you know, two, two physical classes, we want teachers. Yeah, we want team. And I yeah. think that the team, the, the, the collaboration within our EYFS team as staff, but also as the pupils, um, we work closely together and it's really valuable that the children feel part of something. One of the things that... Um, is something that I've, I've worked with quickly as a, as lead um, and something I had to get my head around quite quickly. We've got some a lot of new members of staff as well this year. We've appointed a, a fantastic ECT in the FS1 unit um, and she's in there with some really experienced nursery nurse and, and teaching assistant in there. So that's formed a really strong starting point for our youngest children. Um, and then within our team, we've appointed two new early years practitioners, one that works within year one. So she's at a great advantage of the endpoints of where we want these children to be by the end of the year, not academically, but holistically as well. And also the other lady that we appointed, she worked in the private sector um, she specialised in birth to three. Yeah, she specialised in birth yeah. to three. So we've we've really between us, we've got quite a, a breadth of knowledge and and experience to to support all of our children. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, and you've got a good mix there of experience and people yeah. new to it. So you've got that kind of that spark as well of somebody new coming in and, and saying, well, I'd like to do this or I'd like to do that, alongside yeah. other people who have, perhaps have been doing it for for a longer period of time. Definitely, who, who will be able to to support those members of staff and 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 yeah. also really talk about what works and what doesn't work and consider yeah. well actually you know actually the balance there I think is quite quite yeah. interesting. And it's also as well I think we've got quite a, a, a safe working environment that 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 staff feel 
um, confident to explore and to try new things with the support. I'm just thinking about our ECT, our FS1 teachers. She's because she's got an amazing nurse and nurse there with her. She she feels safe that she can try out these new theories and put new things into practice. And our nurse and nurse is there with the knowledge of what worked beforehand. So she's able to kind of negotiate between themselves and, and find a new passage for the new children that are coming through. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. So can you, I, I didn't realise that you'd moved rooms as well as part yeah. of this. And Nikki yeah. told me that um, that actually you'd, you'd really transformed the environment, but I yeah. hadn't realised you'd actually physically moved. Can you take us back to what it was like before you changed it? So what, yeah. can you kind so, of paint that picture for us? So, so leading up to when you thought, right, we've got to have a change here. What yeah, was it so like? we had... The initial unit, it's a, it's a long rectangular, rectangular unit. Um, you come through the main door, that used to be the FS1, um, through the wet room and a, and a toilets, and that would lead on to then to FS2, which is Natalie's classroom. Um, and then across the corridor would be another classroom, which was my classroom, and the, the children would free flow across the corridor. Um, it works, but we just it opened up the doors. There was lots of hot spots um, that the children knew, and maybe those were the areas where learning wasn't at its highest form. Um, and there was the areas that we wanted to eliminate more um, and and that's why I make mean, better use of. Yeah. And I, I think we feel it's a lot more fluid now. Um, Pre-COVID, we did we did mix with nursery with activities, we streamlined with nursery. Um, obviously that 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 ended during COVID. Um, it, it was quite separate then. Um, since since we, we sort of carried that on, we continued the segregation. Nursery steps stayed quite separate, even though. they were in the same classroom as me in effect because it was one large unit so we just felt as though you know Jess had FS2s I had FS2s it made a lot more sense for them to be in in one place yeah rather than have this physical barrier of the corridor in between yeah we still we you know we still liaise so much with nursery um and the children and staff but yeah at least we feel as though now, you know, the, the, the segregation, the definition is, is is clear for the age groups and that, you know, the differences in curriculum. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And presumably it makes a difference for you people in terms of planning, does it? Within the summer term as well, Andy, we, um, we, we, we invested um, of, of a lot of money as well into the early excellence resources. Um, and so what we've got now is within our unit, we've got the the four to seven, just correct me if I'm wrong, it's four to seven, isn't it, within our FS2. And within our FS1, we have the the, the younger um, product selection of items in there. And, and that's really been a good advantage mm. as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So you've looked, so you've, you've developed the environment in terms of bringing the environment together. Yeah, the, the yeah. spaces yeah. together, and then you've also looked at that idea of the materials and resources that are available as well. Yeah, and getting the continuous provision right. Yes, yeah. and presumably yeah. that has that has then led to, I suppose, a, a change of focus, perhaps in terms of in terms of your practice. Has I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking that if if you are putting more time into developing or have put more time into developing the learning environment, does that then mean that actually your your children are then spending more time within that environment and then adults are supporting children within it as well? So has it has it changed the nature of what you 
kind of the focus of teaching to a certain extent yeah go on yeah definitely we, we find that children are a lot more engaged we find that staff have feel as though they've got so so many more opportunities within that provision um resource wise um it, yeah absolutely it's really shifted a focus of, of of staff and children we feel yeah and ensuring that the continuous provi- provision is right and and we've really spent a lot of time focusing on getting our continuous provision right before we put those announcements in and um, we don't tend to put as many announcements in now we've really stripped that back and let the open-ended resources take the lead really um we, we try and use them to s- scaffold really well but because of the open-ended nature of the, a lot of the resources um it provides the opportunity to to challenge as well and, and and adults because of our knowledge of the children we can lead the learning the direct the conversations onto the child's next steps yes yeah yeah and and the also I think what, what often I find is that unless that environment that continuous provision environment is really well thought through yeah but often what people will do what staff will, will do is they will try to they will kind of overcompensate by doing having lots of enhancements and so each week they're coming up with lots of things that they can put into the environment yeah. lots and lots of things that are planned every week yeah whereas actually if you've got as you say if you've got resources that are available continuously and you're really confident about how well that's planned for and what the possibilities of them are it takes the pressure off the short-term planning yeah but actually, if you, yes you can add in some enhancements into it but it's not you're not going to you don't have to you're not held to ransom by it if you see what I mean yeah and speaking from like past experiences and and, and obviously me and Natalie have been in here early for a long time we've come across those obstacles before and and sometimes we've had to step back especially in recent times we've sent back and so we couldn't quite put a finger on it we, we we seem to be like you've said overcompensating for things what is it and we, we stripped right back focused on the continuous provision focused on the communication friendly spaces and because we know that the children have got low starting points in in line with national peers we want to focus on the RSA um and using the right resources and the, the quieter spaces I think we've we've really managed to to get that right this time yes and I think that's really interesting I think quite often when we talk about developing children's speech and language and communication skills we talk about it in terms quite often of the 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 real importance of the adult role and uh, you know in terms of adult interactions with children and of course that is it is very much key you know that adults have those effective interactions and we're modeling speech and language and communication skills of course but quite often we we focus so much on that that we forget actually that the environment itself provides the context for those interactions. Yeah, yeah. So like you were saying that actually those communication friendly spaces that you've created there will mm-hmm. lead to children talking together, will lead to children getting into small yeah. small groups, not necessarily shouting across a big space, but yeah, actually yeah. having those little cosy conversations. Yeah, yeah. exactly what we've noticed. And, and I think that makes such a difference. Yeah, it does. And we've been, uh, we've visited yourself at a centre quite a few times. And um, as part of our trust, we've been coming to, to speak to you and um, this the information that you've given us, we've really carefully thought about the layout and and the, the carefully planned, not just provision, but the, the furniture as well and using our furniture to an advantage to create those bays yeah. and pockets that children can get into and also um, 
we've been re- researching as well the the scales of well-being and we've been to to yourself to talk about those and we've we've noticed that if we get that those levels right and the well-being right then then it's magic then the the high levels of um, engagement and the children are completely engrossed and and that's when the magic happens yes yeah, yeah. fantastic it's very interesting isn't it i think i think the early years education is fascinating because yeah, you, get, you, you can kind of teach it on one level for a number of years yeah and then suddenly think crikey do you know i wasn't aware of that yeah. and i didn't know about that at all, that even existing or that piece of research yeah. or as you say the well-being and involvement scales or, yeah. or whatever it might be it can so it there can be a kind of an eye-opening moment where you think crikey you know there's another side to practice um I had that I'm thinking back to you know right at the very start of my teaching career I had probably at the time a very standard kind of early years classroom in reception with um with play provision some play provision but also sort of group tables and so on dotted around within the space and I remember I was um as, as a new teacher, I, I was encouraged to go and visit other schools and other settings. Mm. And I, I went to one school where there was quite an experienced teacher who, who'd been there for quite a while and developed this practice. And I was uh, I was just absolutely blown away, it completely changed my idea of what earlier practice could be. So I went to the, the school, um, which was uh in Rawcliffe the other side of York from from where I was teaching and um they had a very exper- experienced teacher there called Claire Blockswitch who was, who was fantastic and she whereas I had this sort of fairly standard reception classroom she had um she'd done things like she had little corners where she'd got she had like this, one of the things she had was this old television set, right? So, you know, like um, you know, back in, you know, I'm much older than both of you, but, you know, back in the, like the 1970s, you'd have a television set used to be called The Box. Yeah. You'd call it The Box because literally it was a box. It was a wooden box. Yeah. And she had got a, a, a an old television, a wooden box, basically, with the screen, the screen taken out, and it had become a puppet show for the children in a little cozy corner with an audience you know they they were sitting there the children were sitting watching the television with children at the other side of the television basically putting on a puppet show and she'd got like a parachute an old parachute that was suspended from the ceiling to create this fantastic role play area that you walked into in the middle and it was such such oh it, such a difference to to my classroom yeah. that I was absolutely blown away by it and came back and thought right I've got to do this differently and it you know you and it just made me think of that when you were just talking about that actually you can suddenly have a moment can't you where you see yeah, somebody yeah. else in practice or you see something else in training or on you know whatever it might be that's that suddenly sparks you into life and think you, you think crikey I've got to you know I could do that I, yeah. there are possibilities there and we've spent a lot of time as well because we've taught together for such a for quite a long a number of years we've also taken some time recently to reflect on on past practice and and the barriers that we've had before and the challenges and and what we're going to do we know that our children come in with low communication language skills 
we don't want to wait until we've done the baseline. We want to get yes. there straight away. We, we, we're Absolutely. Pretty, not that we're assuming, it's just that we, we know we've, we've got experience of the, the catchment area and the community. We, we work closely with parents as they come into nursery and we want to get things in place yeah. from the get-go rather than waiting until October after and when baselines and things are done. We, we want to be proactive yeah. and yes. get the best possible start straight away. Yes. And and are you, I know it's quite early in terms of how you've changed things, but are you seeing an impact in, in the work that you have put in and the changes that you've put in place? We are, yeah. Children are a lot more happy, not, not that they weren't happy before, but they, they, they need a lot of nurturing our children as they come in. And because we've created these areas, these pockets of to promote wellness and, and well-being, the, the children then don't take as long in the morning to, to get settled. They're coming in the field with the feel safe and confident and, and ready to start learning straight away. And, and even though they had exceptionally low starting points, the progress that they're making is quite rapid now. Yes, fantastic, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Okay, so so you've made lots of changes within a fairly short period of time, and of course that's exciting, as we were just saying. Yeah. But also can be challenging, can't it? In that you've got to, as we were talking about staffing earlier on, you've got to make sure you take the staff with you as part of that journey, also. Yeah. And then you mentioned just before that you had felt that you'd kind of got, whilst you had to make the changes you were aware that actually you would do an Ofsted inspection kind of at any point, yeah. which is quite hard, isn't it? When you think, you think, crikey, it's right to make the changes, but at the same time you think if we're not, if if we're only part of the way through those yeah. changes yeah, and, and then you get an inspection, you know, you kind of feel like, are we in a worse position because we've yeah. started to make change? Does that make sense? It does, and we had to be sure before we made any changes that there were the right changes and there was going to impact our children in the right way. We didn't want to make any changes for the sake of main, making changes. We wanted to make sure that whatever we did was in the best possible interest of, of each and every child. Um, so we had to be careful before we, we did the changes and make sure that, no, this is this is right. We, we're relocating classrooms because this is a right thing to do for the children. Yes, absolutely. So you're kind of justifying it every yeah. step of the way and really thinking to, well, is, what's the why yes, beyond this? Absolutely, you know, yeah. So that you're yeah. really making sure you're doing it for the right reasons and that there are real justifications for doing it. Yeah, and we fantastic. also have to be really careful because some of the children that we still got in nursery they would they thought they was coming they would have thought that they was coming back to that nursery room where they was in in July um because they've already done two terms with us so the fact we had to be really careful and, and have careful conversations with parents and the child to make sure that they understood that their transition was going to be to a new classroom when they came back in September um and, and that was something that we really had to carefully plan and make sure that those children were all right before that change happened, because these are our, our youngest children and, and their well-being is at, at utmost importance to us. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That transition is almost a transition within a transition, isn't yeah. it? That, yeah. that idea of kind of moving classrooms as well. Yeah settling into nursery yeah. so it might have felt like a, a natural point to change for us because it, we was getting a new set of fs2s in um and they they've not been to our school before but those fs1s we had to be very careful that it's a big change for for little children yes yeah. it was the right thing in the long run for them absolutely okay and then just thinking about the timescales of it 
the you then did have an Ofsted inspection, didn't you? Yeah. When, when, when was that? Just tell, tell us in terms of dates. When when roughly was that? What month was that? Do you know? This was early October. We got the early October. OK. Yeah. All right. So not that long ago. Not that long at all. A couple longer. of months ago. OK. <laughs> yeah. And um, and what in terms of the changes that you've made at what sort of stage were you at at that point? Have you got to a point where you think, well, actually, they can come now and I'm comfortable with where we're at? Or were you thinking, oh, crikey? It, no, it was still, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was still a bit of a, we were still a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is, not surprised, obviously, very apprehensive that it was coming. Yes, but yeah. I think it was naturally kind of, I don't like to say the right time, but it, it was the right point because we'd spent a lot of time Previous to that, as, as new leader, I've spent a lot of time with our subject leads and mm. making sure that they fully understood the changes that we were making and mm. the what their subject looked like in our setting yes. in early years. Yes. Um, and it kind of happened, it, it, it just slotted together at the right time yes. because it was new. And, and I wanted to make, as, as, as new lead, I wanted to make sure that the feel the staff were on board and that we weren't a standalone unit we we do feed into school and, and i wanted those members of staff to understand the changes um yes. because they will be transitioning into year one and what we were doing to to support those children as learners yes no i think that's a really important point i think um there's a balancing act i think as an early as teacher or early as leader isn't there that that um whilst we want the yfs to be of course a kind of a if you like a special part within school, uh, yeah. an, an area that actually we have, of course have our own our own framework and and the approach generally within the UFS is is a different approach and it's 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 absolutely right that it is different. It meets the needs of the young yeah. children, the young learners. At the same time, it probably it shouldn't ever really end up becoming a bit like an island. No, you know where the you know where the the sort of where the rest of the school team talk about year one is where things start. Yeah. And and kind of early years is just kind of a separate thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. It's a careful balancing act where you want it to feel different, perhaps, for the right reasons, but at yeah. the same time part of everything. Yeah. That's it's quite a tricky balance, isn't it? Okay, so the inspection team came along and what was the process like? You know, can you tell us a bit about the process? Yeah. So as part of the initial call, um, the SLT team and the subject leaders met um, on the telephone call with the first with the lead inspector um, mm. and the subject leads had to talk about their um, their specific subject. But they had to say it, talk about it from all key stages, including yes. the early years. And because, yeah. because of the work that we'd done with the leads, um, they'd spend time in our provision and we would show them what their subject looks like in our setting. Um, for example, the, the maths lead, she'd spent quite a bit of time in there. Um, she's always taught in upper key stage two. So we wanted really to, she she came in as part of her CPD um, and we wanted to show off what our maths looks like in continuous provision. And one of the things that she spoke about in there, because she thought this was an amazing idea. I mean, to us, it's just something that we'd naturally do. Um, but it was the, the pots in provision that have, have got numbers on, say six black pencils, six yellow pencils, and then it's subitized underneath. Yes. Um, children were, were, were already saying when she's come, come round, um, 
oh, there's five pencils, one's missing, we need one more. The, the arithmetic skills were already coming in. And she mentioned that onto the call with the inspector. Um, and then the inspector saw that in provision when he came to visit. So Fantastic. lots of the things that the subjects lead spoke about, he was then looking for in our unit and, and saw it in action because it's things that we've embedded into the routines every day. Um, yes. And that's why he saw them, because it wasn't something out of the ordinary. It's something that we do continuously. Embedded everyday practice. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that, of course, comes through the conversations that you've then had with your your subject leaders, doesn't yeah. it? And, and, yeah. and it, can it, so it works for you in both ways in that your subject leaders know more about your practice, but also they're then able to say consistently the same messages as yourselves when talking to the inspectors. Yeah. And that's key, isn't it? That joined up approach across the schooling and an inspection is key. You don't want the maths lead to say one thing and then to find that actually that's not in place in the early years. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or the other way around for you to say, oh, we do this in the early years. And then the maths lead to say, actually, this is our approach and it's different. Mm. And we also want to do yeah, we wanted them to understand, Andy, as well, that in early years, it's not, we don't take what they do in Upper Key Stage 2 or Key Stage 1 and, and replicate it lower down. It's a completely different pedagogy. The, the way that we teach and the way that the children learn is completely different. Some of the, the core values are still the same, but the approach to teaching and learning is different. And, and I think it's really strong that what we do as an early years team is we educate the other members of staff, don't we? Yeah into understanding the way that we teach and the way that that learning happens in early years yeah. for example maths can be taught through a range of adult-led activities obviously with play-based approaches um alongside that we do that you know day in day out indoor and outdoor yeah exactly. yeah um through quality interactions and you know it's something that that the the higher teachers often just oversee mm. but we really yes. wanted to, to put that across and the inspectors you know saw that straight yeah. away and the yes great yeah the inspector when he came looking at maths within the unix we had a maths deep dive um mm. the following day and so on day one it was our maths deep dive uh, across the school he came in and it was a 30 minute deep dive and within that time in early it was a 30 minute section in early years he didn't want to speak to any members of staff um, which obviously is quite we, we really was, daunting. It is really daunting, and, and but the, the children absolutely shone. Shone there was there was fantastic, and the skills that we'd had embedded it was just clear to say that yeah, the inspector could just see maths in all areas, and the children were just naturally discuss, discussing it and using mathematical language within their play. Their talk. Yeah. Yes, and and interestingly, that's not something that you can just turn on or turn off, isn't it? No, you know, not. you know how. Sort of certainly in the past, I think there has been a bit of a danger with an Ofsted inspection, particularly if what they're looking at is the directed teaching, that it would be possible to know that an inspection team are coming in, or you know, that the inspectors are coming in, and that you think, right, the chances are they're going to come and watch this math session or this literacy yeah. session, and I'm going to turn turn on an uh, amazing session. And I'm going to really teach out of my skin and, and absolutely go for it. And you get this sort of these sort of show lessons almost that that do stand teachers in good stead. But at the same time, they're not necessarily a, a realistic picture of what happens. No, it's not realistic. And, and to be honest, during that 30 minutes based around maths, he didn't see any 
any sort of direct were, adult adult led showcase as such today. No, I, he didn't want to be. If a, if there, there were some adult directed activities happening at that point, some focused mm. activities, he didn't go anywhere near those. He just wanted to see the children and ask the children what they were doing and what they were learning at that point. And he did ask some questions about. Um, can you tell me about this or can you tell me about that? For example, like it, it, one of the children was creating a pattern on a track. It's just one of the continuous provisions we've got out there. And he said, the little boy really confident, I'll never forget, said, well, I'm making a repeating pattern. As if to say to the inspector, don't you know that this is a repeating pattern? <laughs> um, a little girl was in the... It, it, on one of the tables in there looking at the 3D shapes and she I remember she was saying he's saying what have you got there and she was like it's a cylinder as if you said don't don't you know it's a cylinder <laughs> and uh, yeah really yeah. it was really it was lovely to, to listen over here because obviously your ears are, are pretty good listening to what, yeah. what the children are saying but it was it was a really special moment yeah yes yeah that's and as you say it's it's those are moments that actually they are realistic moments they're moments that that probably will be happening all the time in your setting they're not just turned on for the inspection team they are there because you've embedded it really you planned for it you planned the environment you planned the structure of that environment the resources that go into it yeah you've really thought carefully about all of that detail and then it pays off yeah fantastic um can you tell us a little bit about about the sorts of conversations i know you were saying that you in, within that um, 30 minute section in terms of a math deep dive yeah the, the, actually the inspector didn't want to talk to you as members of staff but really wanted to see what the children were doing and that's that's great was there a, was there also a time within the inspection when when you did have maybe as an early as leader or as early as teachers that you had those conversations about maybe about a certain number of different things really i was thinking yeah. you know did they did they want to talk to you about starting points or baseline did they want to what, talk to what you about- he wanted to, to know is this the second day so on day two it was a two-day inspection mm. on day two he um he wanted to look at the development and the teaching of writing in early years okay. not necessarily the content of the writing but the steps that we plan um for the the physical writing skills um so we was looking at the how we teach children to investigate variety of materials. He wanted to know about the gross motor, how we develop muscle memory, um, what we do to develop flexibility of, of, of children's bodies and how we promote writing all the pre-hand writing skills. Um, and that's something that we had. It That was another, I think it was about 40 minutes. He wanted to see in action, in provision. He didn't want to see group work. And during that time, that was when he interviewed myself and spoke to all the members of staff as well. Yes, fantastic. And and so what presumably what he's kind of digging into there is that idea of did did you do you as members of staff know about all of those small steps yeah. of development? Yeah. That, that idea of actually, yeah. do you know what early writing looks like and how you move a child from and support them to move on from that, that those early mark making stages through all of those different stages towards writing. That is it, Andy. That is what I wanted to know. We 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 as a school we follow a scheme for reading and writing, the teaching mm. of the content of reading and writing. But he did want to know what we did, how we planned the small steps. Um, we also had a discussion about how we don't leave it as a team to chance for the interactions to happen. 
we plan how we want those interactions to happen, but not as a standalone intervention, how we teach those skills, um, what we've got in our provision, for example, outside what we do with weeding the garden, we've got the trim trail in there to develop the core strength. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to really discuss the concepts that underpinned handwriting. Yes, and presumably then you, you teach within a scheme, but it sounds like from what you're saying that actually he was as interested in what happens outside of that scheme. Absolutely. I don't want to talk about the scheme, yeah. Yes, and that yeah. the scheme is kind of there in front of you almost, and it's set yeah. out. And, mm-hmm. and that, that scheme might be the same in lots of different schools, but was interested to know presumably what happens not just within that time, yeah. but yeah. actually, you know, how is that embedded yeah. within the practice which makes Yeah, which makes sense as well, because he came to us so early in the academic year that those were the things that we should have been teaching and we were teaching at that point in the year. Um, so it was the anti-clockwise movements. We know that children come in, that's one of the first barriers we have is children are unable to form anti-clockwise movements. So it was a lot of the physical, the hula hoops, uh, the twirling with the streamers, um, out, outdoor play. Large-scale map making, chalks on the ground. Yeah. You know, he loved hearing about all things like that. Yeah, he did. And we also use another tool that we use to plan those small steps is, is Launchpad for Literacy. Um, we've spent a lot of time with, um, not with Kirsty Page, but looking at Kirsty Page as, as scheme kind of it's not a scheme it's a toolkit Kirsty's toolkit um and the strands and all the aspects that come before letter formation um that really underpin handwriting and how children get there um we have made staff all staff aware of this we've done in-house training we have we've we've looked at we've stripped it right back to the physical literacy um we've got children um doing tummy activities in fs1 to, to, to develop the core strength the shoulder movements hanging swinging um yeah, lots of things to develop the, the strength of the muscles before we get down to the to the fine motor activities. We then spoke about what fine motor activities we've got in there, the pinching. We don't, the pinching of materials. We don't just use Play-Doh. We have Play-Doh out as a continuous provision um, and all the enhancements that come with that. But we also use plasticine because it's a little bit more resilient. Hard of dexterity. Yeah, uh, yes. and play. And they're all the things that we get out straight away that we want children to explore just because it's a little bit more strenuous on the fingers. Absolutely, more challenging. And it shows that progression from nursery as well. Yeah. Yes, great. And and that's a key thing, isn't it? Particularly where you have nursery on site, talking yeah, about yeah. how actually what we're offering in reception is building on. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done a lot of, of work recently on Yeah, that. we've been auditing, haven't we, the, what we've got in FS1 and how that progresses yeah. into FS2. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Um, and so... What about kind of starting points? Did, it, did the team want to know about kind of what, what the picture was like on entry for your children? Did you have that conversation? No, we didn't ask us any specific, didn't ask myself any specific questions. They could have come beforehand on the call um, with the head teacher, but he didn't ask that. He, he already knew that information. So that would have been spoken to him about the, with the head and the vice. Um, so we knew that we came in low. Um, he'd looked at historic data. Obviously, we've got no current data. Um, so he looked at pre-COVID data and the catchment area and, and um, but no, he didn't ask me any, he, he did ask me about my expectations for the end of the year, what we were hoping to achieve, whether it would be the majority of children on track. And we said by the end of the year, we want the vast majority or all children on track. And this is what we're doing to make sure that that happens. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. And of course, the report is out, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we yeah. can tell people what you what you got. Do you want to we turn? Can, yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah brilliant. <laughs> Go on. Tell everybody what you got. So we are we were graded again. We are still a good a good primary school. Yeah. Fantastic. We're really which pleased is, about that. Which, yeah. yeah. And you should be. You know that yeah. that is um, a huge huge achievement, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's a really you know, I, I yeah. I think that's that's massive, and particularly also when you think about what you were just saying previously about the changes within the setting, really yeah. with a very short period of time to, yeah. to make those changes. And to not quite, you know, to not really have in quite enough time to properly embed those changes, I think realistically, yeah, that's still happening. Um, so and everything that we did difficult. do, it, it was with the children in mind, and we worked really closely as a team to make sure that we was everything that we were doing, we we, we were all in agreement with before we did it. Yes, and and sound, uh, listening to what you were saying about the inspection, it sounds to me like a combination of the the preparation that you've done in terms of embedding conversations as part of practice that you've that you've really got a strong team who all understand what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're moving things forward but you've also then of course got to make sure it's what you're saying as a group consistently is then there within the practice absolutely and that is what he he was looking out for yes yeah. you know so then it all kind of ties together really Wow, fantastic. And and coming from that, either from the inspection itself or from kind of where you have um or from kind of what you've developed since, have you got in mind certain things that you're wanting to move on to to develop further? You know, a, an action plan for where you're going next with it? What you yeah. what, what do you think? What things are in your sights in terms of next steps? So what we would like to do is to to run the well-being scales of involvement through into year one. I'd like to think that our children, as they transition into year one, they've still got that wraparound care. Um, and that's something that I'd like to work really close with the year one team on. In regards to our earlier setting, we've been chatting about this a little bit more this morning, haven't we? Yeah. Um, our vision is that we we aim now to improve our outdoor provision. Um, we have already started that. We have, yeah. we have taken the first steps to, to, you know, to improve that. We've had a bit of work done over the summer. Um, that's definitely our next steps as a setting. Um, we really want to promote outdoor learning as, as, as much as we can, mm. both in our early setting and we have um, a, a forest area at the bottom of our field, which we can we, we, we need to make better use of. Um, so we, we really can't wait to, to, to yeah. develop that side of things. Yeah, um, we, we use our outdoor area often the inspectors didn't go into the outdoor area i just want to add as well it was absolutely torrential rain as well during our office inspection um so you can imagine that it can get quite a little bit loud and rowdy within a unit when it's wet dark wet play um so that was another challenge that we overcome through the inspection so we've invested in the the outdoor clothing for all our children as well now so that's no longer a barrier for us yeah. um we've got some new shelters that have been created outside um yeah so we really want to take the next step now is to create a sanctuary outdoors for our early learning for our early children and more of a garden exploratory area rather than a reflection of the indoors outdoor we want our outdoors to be a completely different learning experience. environment and experience yes. um, and that is something that we're we're tackling head on now 
So that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. you know it, well, it sounds like you're in a really good place, and that you think actually we've you know we've done such a lot with our indoor space. Yeah. The the Ofsted inspection has has very much backed that up in terms yeah. of the progress that you've made, and and really sort of justified the changes that you've made. And now you're at you've got a bit of breathing space, presumably, yeah. because you're not <laughs> you haven't got an inspection hanging over you. Um, so you haven't got quite the same pressure, presumably, but you can look at it and think, right, let's really enjoy doing this. And yeah. Do it well, and we've and been really... thinking about what what more what experience do we want our children to get now? So we, we're really unpicking the bones of a child from Tigate school. What is that going to be like for those children? What experiences are they going to have? Um, we've, we've, we're planning our curricular goals as well, and we're adapting the curricular goals, and we want them to be exciting and in, include outdoor elements, don't we? So that's mm-hmm. something that we're, we're working on together as a team now. Yeah, fantastic. Um, it, incredibly exciting. You know, really, really interesting and exciting to listen to you talking about, you know, what you're going to go on to next <laughs> and how, how you're going to move it forward. I think it's really, really interesting. Thank you so much to both of you for joining us on the podcast. It's been really, really interesting to chat chat through kind of your different experiences of, of changing the practice, but then also having that inspection as well. I think lots of people will be will be really interested to know about kind of the inspection process. Yeah. Um, and just just finally, because we, we ought to really sort of wrap things up, I'm just aware <laughs> of your time, but just very fine, you know, just, just at the end here, would you mind just giving us an idea of if you were to go, if you were to give somebody who hasn't yet gone through an inspection a kind of a piece of advice, you know, yeah. so... So if you were, to, if you were, I know lots of people are waiting for inspection at the moment. Would you offer any kind of advice? As a, you know, what would you have do or have ready, or you know, based on your experience? I know that not all inspections are the same. We ought to say, unfortunately. However, would you give people a certain piece of advice? What do you think? Yeah, we have got a couple of pieces um, of advice. Um, we are aware that all inspections are different, like you say. Um, but what we would say is never to lose sight of children's next steps in their learning, um, yeah. whether that's in provision, you know, whether that's your adult directed activities, always be aware of where that child is going next with their learning um, and how, you know, everybody, every child needs challenging, challenging their own way. Yeah, personalised, keep, keep it personal and keep it, the individual, don't forget about the unique child and the experience that they deserve and they need to take their learning move their learning forward yeah I'd also say as well to to not over focus on announcements really think about the continuous provision and that how it is a powerful tool to support learning um yeah I think they're they'd be the two things that would be the say. two key things yeah, yes and being prepared yeah. to talk it through and, and, yeah. and really really discuss actually what it is that you that you've done and what yeah. why you've done that you know they're thinking about the why I think is always Definitely. important yeah. within that too yeah. fantastic yeah. um Jess and Natalie thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to <laughs> you, you and to hear about the journey that you've been on with it and and all the very best for the future and, and thank you to thanks hear for about asking us to come and chat yeah, as well it's it's been a no it's all right it's, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
So there you go. Thank you to Jess and to Natalie for joining us on the Early Excellence podcast this week. Really interesting discussion. And so, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. If you're a head teacher or school leader and want to know more about other schools' inspection experiences, it would be well worth listening to our Early Excellence head-to-head podcast. In this week's episode, my colleague Sarah Carey interviews the leadership team at Kilnhurst Primary School, which is another school in South Yorkshire, about their recent inspection. As usual, we'll put the link in the podcast information for you. Okay, so yeah, that's about it for this week. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll see you next week.